0: Mentally yours from Ellen and uh, Focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret it's mentally,
2: mentally, 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 mentally yours, mentally yours, mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette and today I'm chatting to three dads walking. They are Mike, Andy and Tim. Each of them lost their daughter to suicide. They're now fundraising for Papyrus with walk and they're also raising awareness about their petition. We're going to be chatting about suicide and support.
3: Suicide is something that happens to other people. Um, It's a very sad thing. And you're kind of aware of it, uh, but it, it's out there and you don't really think about it until it lands in your family. Um, and when it does, uh, your life and your world is shattered into a thousand million pieces. It's just just horrible. Um, the For us, suicide arrived at the, in December 2018 when Sophie, our 29-year-old daughter, took her own life. Um, it was, completely out of the blue um we knew she was struggling a bit she was going through a bit of a, a, a family breakup and she'd she'd um, left a split from her husband um so she, it was a bit of a um a, a challenging time in her life she would say but we weren't worried uh, about her feeling suicidal we were worried about her happiness you know that's all you want from your children really um and so when she took her own life it it absolutely sideswiped us. Um, our life, well, we'd never, we'd never be the same again. Uh, we'd all have this Sophie-shaped hole in our lives. But in amongst the the loss and uh, the awfulness of trying to get through Christmas that year, and organising Sophie's funeral, along the way, we decided we had to create something positive out of our our loss. We didn't know what. Um, but in the organisation of Soph's Funeral, we came across Papyrus Prevention of Young Suicide, um, a national charity aimed at supporting young people and the families who are, are really going through tough times. And it was through them we discovered that suicide is the biggest killer of under-35s in the UK, um, which was a complete shock, you know. What, why I suppose why would we know about it? You're saying cause, because suicide happens to other people. Um, but what actually happened off the back of that, um, I got involved with fundraising for Papyrus, um, ended up doing a run um, in early in 2019 using Source Entry um, and uh, turned it into a, a kind of a, uh, a feel-good story, I suppose. Uh, I knew it was a good human interest story, so I used my contacts in the media to promote it. And uh, it became very high profile in our part of the world Um, And I ended up raising just over £40,000 for the charity and became something of a uh, poster boy for for Papyrus. Um, And so it was quite high profile within the charity. And I kept plugging away, doing lots of things through 2019, um, 2020. I was still running, skipping and uh, hula hooping at one point, which got a bit weird. Um, But uh, I kind of kept at it uh, because I realised I could help. Raise money for papyrus, but more importantly, I realised I could get people talking about suicide and suicide prevention. So I think that's kind of how I got started. But then uh, Mike and Tib came along a little bit later on.
4: About fourteen, it's Tim, and about fourteen months after uh, Sophie died, and obviously we didn't know Sophie, didn't know Andy and, and their family, and uh, it was just at the start of lockdown. It was the week before the Prime Minister announced lockdown, and uh, our nineteen-year-old daughter M took her own life. Uh, she'd struggled throughout her life. She'd been diagnosed at 15 with autism and uh, that the diagnosis was a breakthrough for us because it made us understand a little bit more about how she needed to cope. And after she'd had that diagnosis, she, uh, she, she kind of got some GCSEs, went to college, got a BTEC, did an apprenticeship and was really kind of going in the right direction with life. But part of her, to cope with her autism... She loved going to the gym. Uh, to go to the gym, she needed a bit of money. So she used to work in our pub, and she worked in our pub for several years, part-time and then full-time. And then she also liked driving around the roads in Norfolk in a little bright red mini. And the, uh, w- with lockdown coming, the gym closed, the pub closed, and then we started to cough in the family. And so we, we had to stay in, and it was the staying in that Emily just couldn't bear, and that was the, the thing that filled up her stress bucket, and uh, she wanted to go out in her mini up to the coast to take the dog for a walk. We didn't let her, so she went outside. And the next thing we know, we, we've... Em's we've, uh, tried to take her own life. Uh, she died five days later in hospital uh, after donating some organs. She was only 19, and it was just that she died the day before, on Sunday the 22nd, and the Prime Minister announced on Monday the 23rd the full national lockdown. So not only did it affect, you know, M then also massively impacted us as a family afterwards with only six people at a funeral, uh, totally on our own afterwards. We had support from friends and colleagues and stuff in the village in Norfolk, but you know, for M's funeral, the the street, the village was absolutely lined and on the way to the crematorium, but the crem, the the funeral service lasted for 25 minutes. There was no wake, there was nothing like that. And we were home by 10.30 in the morning with absolutely, didn't know which way was up quite frankly. Uh, and we were absolutely, as Andy has already said, absolutely destroyed at that point. We didn't know where to go. And that's it really until uh met Mike. So Mike, over to you, chap.
5: Okay, well, we lost Beth about six days after Tim lost Emily. And I think what you can tell as I tell Beth's story now that each of our girls was very different all beautiful lives, sadly lost, but very different. Beth was 17. She was life and soul the party. She was a talented vocal artist. She was a dancer. Uh, she was born, really, to be on stage. She was a larger-than-life character. She had lots of friends and was constantly out doing thing, things. She's the last person in the world that you'd ever think would take her own life. But uh, but sadly it's um as we all keep saying, it's something that happens to other people. It didn't, it happened to us. As I say, the, the the devastation's too small a word. We were, as Andy said, absolutely shattered. You're blown into bits. There is heartbrokens also too small a word. Your life is just changed, turned on its head. You know we're, we're a happy, we a happy, vibrant family with lots of people coming round. Great social life and everything. That's basically all gone now. I was plunged into a spiral of depression myself that resulted in me attempting to take my own life, and it was purely because of losing my little girl. Life isn't easy now, but I am in a different place. And with meeting Andy and Tim, who are sometimes it's those people who are in the same place as you who understand, and this is a very important thing: it's that peer support. So, but it was only about um, only about three weeks or so after I lost Beth that, um, but we got um, one of my daughters got a a message via social media from a family in Norfolk who'd lost their daughter. And this was Emily about six days before we'd lost Beth. And uh, my daughter messaged back and forwards, but I ended up talking to Tim's daughter, a um, Tim's eldest daughter. And I had a long conversation about, I didn't know I, I was totally destroyed, but The act of reaching out is is so strong. But I was talking to someone who was obviously not quite in the same place, but sort of understood the grief. And she started talking about her dad, that was Tim, and um, suggested that I might sort of talk to Tim. So basically, we did. So we started um, talking together. And literally, you know, a good few times every single week, we'd talk. We, you know, we were totally different. I mean, Tim's hundreds of, well, hundred odd miles away in Norfolk, but we we supported each other. And uh, Tim's been very much uh, instrumental in me still being here. He, he's one of the reasons I I am. So, but as time went on, I started to hear about um, the, the um, charity Papyrus. I started doing courses there. I, st- I needed to know why Beth had done what she did. So I started doing courses and one of the courses, one of the champions courses, I I bumped into Andy's son, Gregor. Now I'd heard of Andy, I knew Andy had been uh, bereaved, he'd lost Sophie a a year or so earlier than uh, myself and Tim had been bereaved and I know that Andy had been doing some awesome work with his run for Sophie, his his clips on YouTube and his fundraising and everything and I started to form a bit of um, an idea that I discussed with Tim about... Suicide being a UK wide problem. So I just put an idea together in my head, you know, maybe we could walk from where Andy lived in the lakes through Manchester and out to Norfolk. Um, so I met Andy and I discussed it with Tim and uh, <laughs> took a ridiculous 2006 AA Road Atlas up there when I went for a walk with him and Tim and Andy, being total map connoisseurs, laughed. And uh, but they said, uh, Well, Andy said yes straight away, I took it to Tim again, he said yes straight away. And then we started to roll from there. So I'll let one of the other guys take over
3: from here. And the thing that that really um, struck me was Mike's idea of. Sh- A a way to show that this could happen to any family anywhere in the country. You know, we we were three very different families, uh, very very different backgrounds. You know, there's no there's no overlap in our networks or anything. You know, there's there's no way that we should have um, got to got to know each other. Yeah, but the the thing was, once that idea of it it was a thing that could happen to any family anywhere, um, just resonated with me because it was one of the things. When you when you find that, that you've, you've kind of landed in this world of suicide and suicide awareness or suicide prevention, once you start to look around, everybody's been impacted somewhere along the line. You know, one of, and one of the things we learned was that every suicide uh, affects... The, 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 um, one of the things we learned was that suicide affects around about 135 people each suicide. And you think that there's over 6,000 suicides in the country every year, which means that you know that's close or over 800,000 people that are affected every year by suicide. So once you actually start talking about it, you find everybody you speak to has got some kind of um, experience. And that kind of um, encourages you to get off your backside and do something about it.
2: Just before we carry on, um, so how far have you walked and how much have you raised so far?
3: Yeah, so I'm just thinking we've we've walked about, and
4: you'll correct me, about 940 odd miles. There was a 324 on the first one, and about 620 odd on the, the second walk. And at the moment, including a bit of gift day, we're up to one million and uh, yeah, one million and fifty thousand ish with it, with money still coming in. So over a million pounds in, in total, which is miles more. We we set off when we set off in. Uh, Last year, we expected to raise three thousand pounds each, so it's gone miles more than that. Uh, and the money absolutely shot up. It was BBC Breakfast when we got on there the the first time. It went up from about nine thousand pounds to about fifty thousand pounds when just Mike was on on his own. And then, as we left uh, andy's Village by the end of that first day on the ninth of October last year, it went from fifty thousand to about two hundred thousand on the first day. So it. it that just felt incredible to know that so many people uh, kind of supported us, but also obviously affected themselves and felt they needed to give to try and prevent young suicide. And the key thing is, is that all the money we raise every kind of five pounds supports a a, a call to Hopeline UK, which is Papyrus's like life-saving hope, uh, life-saving number. So anyone that's feeling suicidal, or if you've got people that you love or know that are feeling suicidal, you can phone that number and, and try and get professional support. It's a line manned by professionals. So the money we've raised has really allowed Papyrus to advance its expansion plans because it's only a small charity and uh, it's, it's absolutely allowed them to kind of accelerate their expansion plans, which is brilliant because that all the time is firstly saving young lives, but also just by... The awareness raising, we that's the whole point of us three getting together. Before we got together, none of us knew about papyrus. None of us knew it was a thing. None of us knew about suicide prevention charities. And our big question is, if we'd known about suicide prevention charities, if we'd known about papyrus, then maybe we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in. So it's a plea, really, for people to, to get to know about papyrus and reach out if they need it.
2: Mm, I have quite a big question now. So, a lot of people are quite scared. To, a lot of people are quite scared to talk about suicide, um, or even to say the words, especially to people who are struggling. How can we get better at having conversations about the topic, especially with our families and friends?
5: It's it, it's the stigma attached to it, isn't it? It it, it always has historically, you know, it, it was a crime um, once upon a time till I think nineteen sixty one. Is that right, Andy? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, nineteen sixty one. It was a crime. So people were, after attempting attempt to take their own life, were actually locked up when really they actually needed help. Um, and obviously it has a religious stigma as well. The thing is that suicide is our biggest killer in the UK of under 35s. And we lose up to 200 schoolchildren every year to suicide. We need to talk about it. We need to talk to the greatest danger to our young people. It's um, It needs to be introduced into the school's curriculum. That's something we'll come to a little later with our petition. But we need to encourage people to be open and honest so they know how to reach out, so they know they won't be literally condemned for talking about their own feelings. We need to encourage a help-seeking society, basically, so you know, we always encourage people to talk. It's not always easy to talk about or talk with teenagers, is it? Often they that they clam up. But if you can keep open lines of communication, it is vitally important. So yeah,
4: yeah and I think there's some really we, after we did the walk or joined the first walk, uh, so many parents came up to us on the walk, and then subsequently when we've been talking at uh, events, and. They've said, by you guys being so open about it, it's allowed us to have a conversation with our children that we'd never have had before. So when those people were watching BBC Breakfast, having, having their cornflakes with their 10-year-olds, and they, that, us being so open and on breakfast telly just allowed those parents to say, and the children as well, to open up. And the children, can you can talk in a very age-appropriate way. We're not suicide prevention professionals, but the charities out there have got age-appropriate material. And that's the key point. If we start... The youngest uh, suicide we heard of was an eight year old uh, and we met several 11, you know parents of eleven year olds that this came totally out of the blue to them, and every single one of those parents would say we need to open up and get the kids talking so that they feel they can come forward and talk
3: so the, the one thing that um, uh, we do come across or people do say it's, it it is a really challenging Subject is a really hard topic. It's a very scary topic, <clears throat> and there's there's been uh, there are fears that talking about suicide plants seeds, plants seed ideas. Um, what we've discovered is there's been research done all over the world actually on this very thing, and the one thing that absolutely screams out is talking about suicide doesn't cause suicide. Talking about suicide saves lives. Because the only way to actually engage with people uh, and help people who are, who are feeling suicidal is have an open and straight conversation. You know, beating around the bush um, does not help people. If you are worried about somebody um, that may be having suicidal thoughts, you've got to ask them, are you having suicidal thoughts? Um, if the answer's no, ask them again. And if the answer's still no, that's great. But they might reach out for help in other ways. If the answer is yes, you can actually do something about it. Uh, the critical thing in this country, of course, is you can phone Papyrus and they can give you support and help, or the uh, person who's suffering those thoughts can can call and ask for help. But the help is out there. That's a critical thing, but you need to find out. You need to find out.
2: Um, tell us more about your petition.
3: Where do we start with that? I think
4: well, we can start with the the fact that all of these parents that we met on the walk all of them said they didn't know that suicide was the biggest killer of under thirty fives. No one knew that. No one knew that. And then we just started to think, and it was uh, it was at Gregor's Gregor, who's Andy's son, said, "Well, we, we did PHSE at school. We didn't really learn anything much in there. But why aren't they telling us about you know the biggest killer of under thirty fives? And if you look at it on kind of a, a risk to our young people, we teach our young people about knives and drugs and sex education." Uh, terrorism at school they put 40 million pounds into the prevent strategy to educate our kids on you know radicalization at schools yet we don't talk about suicide the biggest killer of our kids so we kind of got a bit righteous about it you know, and we need to do something about it and uh, we, we after that we thought about a petition and I don't know if you want to pick up on the petition there
3: well, I think the first thing we did was, of course, we wrote to, off the back of the first walk, because we kind of developed this collective voice of all these suicide brief parents that we'd met along the way, we thought we've, we've got to shout, you know, we've got to use this voice to shout. So we wrote to the government off the back of the first walk and we got a, a letter back from the Department for Education which was just rubbish. Um, it just, just justified what they'd done so far on mental health, which, is, to be fair, is is has been several um you know years in the waiting but they've they've actually um done quite a lot of work on mental health issues but the one thing that screams out is suicide is and suicide prevention is not a compulsory topic some schools do it and some schools invite the charities like papyrus in but um it's not compulsory that was the critical point we actually also had a meeting with um, Gillian Keegan, who was then uh, Minister for Care, uh, Social Care and Health, a junior minister, and she she listened uh, and said she would actually see what she could do to actually move things on with the Department for Education. So that was in February, um, but actually not a lot happened, um, and so when we were, that was at the heart of um i suppose inspiring us to go for this second walk which was to uh, link together the parliament buildings of the uk so we actually go and rattle the cages of the decision makers to make a decision um and we we spoke about a, a petition um when we were doing this plan but actually we backed off it a bit didn't we because um, Savage Javid, when he was uh, at health before he resigned, um, <clears throat> had spoke openly about his losing his brother to suicide, and and spoke very positively about a new ten year strategy, uh, suicide prevention strategy that the government were uh, engaged with. So we were we were very hopeful that the government were pointing in the right direction. But in amongst the people who had offered his support, one was um, Andy Burnham. Uh, the Mayor of, of Greater Manchester and we actually had a meeting with Andy and one of the first things he said to us was, how are you doing with your petition? <laughs> and we, we explained that we'd kind of put it on the back burner but he said, no, you want to rethink that because his experience of being in government where petitions were quite a useful tool because what we have discovered is government is a slow moving, unwieldy machine um, and to, to make change, you need to have a blooming long lever. And Andy was pointing out that a petition could be um, a useful long lever. Uh, So he kind of pointed us back in that direction. So we went back and had a rethink and um, that became kind of the core message that we were sending out on the second walk.
5: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. You've got to remember everything we learnt that led us to this, we learnt by talking to people on our walks. It was lived experience. Mm. And we just believe that we are not investing in our young people. We're not equipping our young people to deal with the pressures in life that include suicidal thoughts. So, you know, a whole programme of it needs to be rethought. There's so much put on academic qualifications now, but we talk to people that realising their kids are coming out of schools, going to universities, higher education, And they have lots of these academic qualifications, yet they don't have life skills around keeping themselves safe. And, you know, I'd implore anyone to look at their young people in their lives and really just think seriously for a minute. Do you think your young people are equipped to deal with the pressures in life now? And if the answer is no, I'll say you must sign our petition we're now i think we're about 100 and uh 150,500 i think at the moment yeah and it's growing yeah and it's growing this weekend and we are looking for meetings next year we're looking for it to be discussed in parliament so watch this uh watch this space basically but also <laughs> also we're waiting for meetings with the um Hopefully Gillian Keegan again, who's now the uh, Minister of State for Education. We're looking for um, a meeting with um, and we have been been offered a meeting, no date yet, with Bridget Phillipson, the um, the shadow secretary of state for education. Um so if we can get these people on board, and it's and it's it's got to be a cross-party thing, a cross-department, cross-party. Everyone, this makes sense. It's absolutely logical. We need to invest in our young people. We need to be proactive about this and give them the life skills they need to keep themselves safe.
4: As well as the petition, uh, there's uh, Andy's MP, Dr. Neil Hudson, has raised an early day motion in the House of Commons, and that's getting cross-party support as well. So, not only the public signed the petition, the MPs are already, you know, supporting Dr. Neil Hudson uh and so there's kind of growing momentum there you ask where you can sign the petition sorry i cut you off if it's simplest way you just google three dads walking and then there's three buttons on there one's to sign the petition one's if you need to seek help and that will send you direct to the papyrus page and you can get all the expert suicide prevention help from there and then the final one is if anyone wants to donate to our website uh so sorry to to us or to papyrus through us sorry all the money goes to papyrus and I say every five pounds saves or, or enables a
3: life-saving call to Papyrus. So five pounds could just save a life. Yeah. So the, our website um, was built um, for free, actually, by some some uh, by a local um, organisation near us who um, <laughs> who actually had no capacity to do it uh, in times of lockdown because all their clients wanted the, or everybody's website wanted rebuilding. But because so many of them had young families, um, they said we've got to do it for you. Um, so if you if you do have a look, uh, it's three dadswalkinguk dot uk. So there's all kinds of information about us and our girls and why we're walking on there, and um, and the, the buttons to donate and sign the petition.
5: Absolutely, but we're we're very proud of our website as well. You know, I ask people to to please. Just go on it. You can read about the girls. You can read about us, and obviously that there's the there's the facility there for the petition and the um and the donations. What 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 I will say as well, sort of jumping back a bit though, this investment in young people is is vital. You know, they're our future. That they they will become adults and parents one day themselves, and if they have these life skills, it will you know. it'll take so much um, pressure off the services as well, the police, the NHS and everything. Intervention has its place. Postvention absolutely has its place as well. But prevention is where it all starts. It starts at the beginning.
2: Right. I have two final but very large questions. Um, so, first of all, what would you say to other parents who have been bereaved by suicide and are struggling at the moment?
4: talk that's how talk to we, we met some people who i mean it wasn't a parent it was who lost their she'd lost a dad 70 years ago and she hadn't spoken to anyone about it for 70 years and that was bottled up but we also met lots of other people on the walk who were still stuck stuck in that massively early stage of grief uh where they'd lost a a loved you know son or a daughter Ten fifteen years ago, and the pain in their face because they hadn't spoken to anyone about it, so reach out and talk is my best bit of advice because it does help talking does
3: help the the the, the weird thing about the walk the the first walk was before we set off we we were kind of worried about each other because we we knew we would be intercepted by suicide bereaved parents we were actually carrying a tracker so people could see where we were in real time so we knew people would find us and we were a bit concerned because we didn't know how we would react to hearing other people's stories obviously we shared our stories and we knew each other inside out really um but what we did find on that very first day we were joined by a suicide bereaved mum within 10 yards of walking out of the Village Hall, car park in Moreland, and then another family, a couple of hundred yards up the road so we we came across all these people who were sharing their stories and as as Tim was saying, sometimes it was the first time that I ever spoke to anybody other than the family about it and it was absolutely blatantly obvious that by speaking to us it was lifting a weight off off them um it wasn't wasn't healing them it wasn't you know grief doesn't go away you you carry it all the time. But just by speaking about their loss and about their loved ones, you could see it was some kind of relief, and the, and there was some of the pressure was taken off, and because it was so so obvious that speaking um made an Im- immediate impact, it it kind of encouraged us to keep going, and in, and our message to anybody who's uh, been bereaved, uh, not just by suicide actually, but it's one of those things that people don't talk about, but. If you don't talk about it, you end up carting this grief around in a kind of an, un- an un- unchanged manner forever. But the way to actually change it or, or manage it or um, bec- enable yourself to work around it is to talk about it.
2: And what would you say to anyone who is struggling um, in general at the moment?
5: Reach out. There's help out there. Yeah, yeah. Ho- Hope line's there. If you're a young person... I mean, Line's directed for people sort of under 35, but that doesn't mean if you're reaching out, you're older, they won't help you. But as I say, Hopeline is manned by professional, medical pr- professionals who will, or suicide experts, who will work to keep you safe. They absolutely will. They have a text service and an email service as well if you didn't want to directly talk to someone, but you will get... A, the listening ear on the other end you know I'd implore everyone as well give yourself a second chance or as many second chances as it takes because if you give yourself a second chance you'll give your family, friends and everyone else a second chance as well
0: So this is goodbye
2: with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally yours, mentally yours, mentally yours. Mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116 123. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to our channel and perhaps even go back and listen to some old episodes. We have many of them. Also, you can get in contact with us. We have a lovely Facebook group, which is called Mentally Yours, and we're also on Twitter at Mentally See you next week.